into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. Oh! The 0-2 What's going on, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Heller, coming at you one more week closer to opening day. Um, You're probably listening on a Thursday, and that is just five weeks from the April 1st start. Um, This week, I am joined by 94.1 WIP's Jack Fritz. Uh, Thanks, Jack, for coming on. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Johnny. Uh, It was like 50 degrees in the city today, and I was walking around. And I was saying, need baseball. So I recorded a high hopes and I decided to come on this podcast. Like I just, I'm so fired up for the fills that I need to knock out two podcasts on this beautiful day. Wonderful. Yeah. It's this, these past few weeks, like snow after snow after snow has been absolutely brutal. I mean, even, even after today, like it's just piles everywhere in the city. Yeah, I know. And like, I, I, I'm so, you know, star for baseball that i you know i've been all in have you heard the song driver's license by oh. olivia rodrigo like i'm all in this like i'm sucked into this like love triangle with the back of the song like i'm doing deep dives on some popular song because i have no baseball to watch like it's been a really tough time <laughs> yeah well it's it's almost almost back uh first televised game right in like oh, what march 1st march 1st yeah march 1st so, getting there um, so there was actually like, I wouldn't say Phillies news, but I, I feel like it, it seemed like they were done in free agency, but they were linked today to, uh, starting pitcher, Jake Odorizzi, which I mean, who knows, uh, I, I, John Heyman linked, linked him to them, them to him. Um, so my first question, uh, for you, and you, you did tweet about this and got quite a response, but, but <laughs> how much does Jake Odorizzi move, move the needle if the Phillies were to add him? Yeah, people did uh did not enjoy that tweet as much as I thought they were. Well, like Phillies fans enjoyed it, and then it reached Mets Twitter, and it was like, oh, this is a disaster. I got a lot of like uh, LMAOs and a <laughs> quote tweet, which is like just so annoying. Um, but like I I just have this feeling that they added Jake Odorizzi, like it just puts them, you know, I think right now they're a fringe playoff team. You know, I think they're I think they're around the outside, like eighty three to 85 wins and that's only because the division's so loaded you know um but just adding a guy like Odorizzo he's not unbelievable he's not this like not you're not adding an ace but what you're doing is you're adding a good three uh possible good four whatever like whatever you want to do with Eflin and then it just makes everyone else just it puts them in a better spot in the rotation like I'm as high on Zach Eflin as anyone like I I fundamentally I fundamentally believe like he's closer to being uh you know a like a one B than like some above average starting pitcher. Like I, I think he's a really good pitcher and I can't wait for what he does this year, but I would personally feel way better if he's like my four or even my three with a guy like go to read behind him. And then it lets Vinny Velasquez, it lets uh, Chase Anderson and Matt Moore and Spencer Howard, whatever they decide to do with him. Um, it just lets them kind of, you know, battle out for one spot rather than two spots and just makes the whole rotation better. And, you know, outside of center field, I mean, the four or five spot in the rotation has, has been the big, you know, sticking point for me of being fully on uh, in on this team. Yeah, I, I definitely agree on, on Odorizzi. Just having another guy who you're sure about in the rotation uh, makes a big difference. 
the one thing like do you think I, I know they've been stalking these guys like like more in Anderson specifically and they they tendered Velasquez a contract um because you know a lot of guys only pitched 50 60 innings well everyone I guess pitched only 50 60 innings last year they're, they're worried about guys staying healthy uh not giving them too much workload do you think at this point you know with, with a guy like Odorizzi available maybe on a one-year deal who knows I think they regret like tendering Velasquez and then and then committing because between Velasquez, Moore, and Anderson, they've committed what eleven, twelve million dollars. Do you think they regret yeah. signing yeah. all those guys? Well, you know, I don't know. Uh, just from the standpoint of, you know, I think they're more concerned about having depth with the starting staff this year rather than maybe the high upside guys. You know, I was all in on trying to get Taylor Walker, Garrett Richards, and those guys went for like you know between ten and twelve million a year. Um, but I think that their philosophy was this season's going to be a war of attrition. Um, you know, it, it, with, with the guys not throwing last year, really, no one's surpassing 50 or 60 innings besides Matt Moore. That's a, that's a Matt Moore sure. pitch, what, 82 80, or 75 innings over in Japan. So um, I just think that they were trying to get as many starters in here as possible. And even though they may not have the highest upside, you know, Chase Anderson, I just, so uninspired by the Chase Anderson thing. I know that he struck out like 24% of his batters last year, and that's great. It's just like, whatever. Um, but I, I think that I think it was more a war of attrition is how they're going this season. It's probably a smart strategy. I mean, it's so hard for pitchers to 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 ramp down to where they are where they were last year and then get ramped back up to be throwing 180, you know, 200 innings or in the Phillies case, like a hundred innings or 120 innings. So it definitely is something that is an interesting point. And I think just in viewing them from the outside, it really looks like they were looking for uh, more quantity over quality. Yeah, definitely. I mean, do you, this is kind of a side question, I guess, but do you see like even like how many, how many innings do you think Aaron Nola pitches this year? If he stays healthy? Uh, 150. 150. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So like you said, you know, you, you have eight starters and maybe, you know, four of them are, are borderline number fives, but, um, just well, kinda... I just worry, I just worry about like little nagging shoulder injuries right. or elbow injuries rather than like, big, you know, the yeah. big stuff, Tommy John, like right. that, that'll happen regardless, but I'm talking about like the little stuff that'll mm-hmm. make, have a guy miss a start here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just on odor is he a couple more things? Um, cause they, they have a few relievers that they have these non-guaranteed deals with that um you know like tony watson and, and brandon kinsler that are three million dollars if, if if they make the major league team which it seems like they probably i think they probably will because they're better than you know other options they have you know if those guys make the team and then they sign someone like Oda Rizzi, they're probably into the luxury tax mm-hmm. at worth like it's is Jake Odorizzi the move you make to to go into the luxury tax I guess is is the question yeah and I guess that's that's probably what they're asking themselves um but I also think that you know I think especially last year if they just spent a little bit more on the on the bullpen they're probably a playoff team so maybe they're they're trying to right that wrong and being like hey this is the hole and if we can just fill it now rather than thinking that around the deadline if we're still in it we'll kind of go for it and ultimately like I just think that they have to realize that their window is right now. I mean, the, these next three years are their window. So like people complain about the luxury tax stuff. I mean, they're at 198 million, right? I think at this point. Mm-hmm. And and the luxury tax is 210. Like, I don't know. I think you might get, they might be able to get Odorizzi for like two years, 16. You know, mm-hmm. if, if Taiwan got two years, 20, 
you know, I can see Odorizzi taking less than that. And I'd rather have Taewon than, than Odorizzi personally. Um, so I can see them kind of getting him down there money-wise. But ultimately, like, I want them to have the philosophy of, of hey, like, we only have a couple of years here with JT where he's at his peak, Hoskins' peak, Kingery's peak, DD's peak, Bryce's peak. Like, these guys are all in their prime now. It's not time to, like, worry about four years from now. So I, I – I don't think Odorizzi is the guy to go over the tax for, but I also think that they want to come in to this season with the best chance possible to win. Yeah, definitely. And I think like uh, something to keep in mind, first of all, um, they don't have a ton of money coming off the books next year, but they have McCutcheon coming off. And, and like a big thing with, with the taxes, you don't want to go in. And then if you, if you keep repeating and the, the penalties grow, like they could, they could easily dip into it a little bit this year, you know, maybe give Odorizzi a little bit bigger one year deal and then, and then easily, you know, stay under next year. If, if that's a big concern, Another thing too is is that Gregorius and Real Muta, both of their contracts are um, have deferred money. So while the the they might be dipping into the luxury tax, and they might have to pay a little more. They're not really spending. I don't I don't have the exact number on offhand, but I don't think there's even if they reach that two ten a little higher, they wouldn't really be spending more than than they did last season because Real Muta has has ten million dollars deferred from this year. If I'm if I'm not mistaken no yeah that's 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 what they did and me and Salter were just talking about this but doesn't it i think the tax is all by the aav though yeah um, no it is it is i'm i'm just just in terms of like like the the entire thing has been you know at the beginning of the offseason john middleton doesn't want to spend a ton of money you know they're not sure about fans all that now like it seems like he's willing to spend money so my point is if it's just the spending money, that's, that's the problem. Like right now they're what based on the luxury tax they are 5 million below where they were last year, but based on the actual payroll, they're like probably 15 million below where they were last year. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it just, it's clear that Dombrowski like yeah. got Middleton to be like, all right, fine, I'll spend it. Like, and then I think that's one of the most underrated parts of, of him being brought in was like, he finally, like, I think, I think generally Milton lost, lost faith in the guys who were spending his money. I mean, Klentak did spend like $800 million of his money and, <laughs> and they weren't over 500 in any of those years. So I get it, John, I'm with you. So I think with a guy like Dabrowski, given the track record that he has, and, um, you know, I think kind of just, you know, whether or not the, the moves work or not, I do think that one of the main, the great parts about Dabrowski being here is that finally someone that they can trust with the money. So um, it's a, it's a concern with the tax, but honestly, just the fact that they're a top five payroll again, like just makes me feel a lot better about the future of this team. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. The last, last thing on Odorizzi, would you rather sign Odorizzi now, or let, let's say like Middleton is only willing to go into the tax a little bit. Would you rather sign Odorizzi now or wait for a, a big Dombrowski deadline move? Mm. I would rather wait for a big Dombrowski yeah. deadline move, even though like, I don't know how much they really want to trade prospects. Like, I don't know if they, I guess, I think their philosophy is that they want to use the money and the, the financial flexibility that they have versus trading away their prospects that they don't exactly have. And that's, that was the funniest part, but that the Bryce quotes from the other day, he was basically like, yeah, we don't have enough prospects to make any <laughs> yeah. trade. So we might as well spend the money. Right. It's like, oh, I'm sure the guys in the minor leagues are like, sweet. Thanks, Bryce. <laughs> um, so, uh, but I would just be, I just, I want to see the first Dombrowski move. Like right. everything that she just off season has been cool. You know, 
JT, DD, that stuff. But give me the first Dombrowski move. Yeah, and like obviously, you know, they have a thin farm system and all, but like we saw some of the trades this winter. It doesn't it doesn't take a lot in prospects, if especially if you're taking on a really good player that has a high salary. Like it doesn't it, you know, what did the Rockies get for Arenado? Nothing. So, you know, I, I think you can you can acquire really good players and not, you know, tank your your farm system. I'm just trying to think of like what the, the what the big deadline pitcher is going to be this year. Like who's going to be on the move? Um, Chris Sale. Chris Sale. Dave. No, I'm, listen. I don't, I don't that would be hilarious. Yeah. I, no, After I giving know. him a terrible contract, yeah. bring him bring him home to Philly. Uh, that'd be hilarious. Or uh, Nathan Avaldi. <laughs> David Price. Oh, David Price. David Price. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I just I would I would take the risk on uh, I would take the risk on waiting till the deadline and yeah. seeing if I, if I can go get like a, a legit difference maker. Like I think Odorizzi is a difference maker, but I'm talking like someone that could take you from a, like a pretty consistent good playoff team to like possibly going for it. Yeah, I I think I I agree there, and especially waiting and and seeing where where you're at at that point in the season. Um, so another implication, even even if the Phillies don't, you know, sign Odorizzi, we already talked about how many starting pitchers they have. And um, the other day, Joe Girardi didn't rule out the possibility that Spencer Howard is in the bullpen in, in 2021. Uh, mm-hmm. He pitched 25 innings last year. He's never pitched more than 112 um, in his career in a season. So it, it does feel like they would, I mean, it doesn't only feel like it. They're going to limit his, his innings. Do you think it's out of the bullpen um if i was if i was betting today it would be um i could totally see them you know uh using him in like what sir anthony did when he first got up here um which was seventh or sixth seventh eighth inning guy and kind of be the fireman um where you come out and kind of put out flames uh, by throwing flames which i would hope that spencer howard would do and you wouldn't have to deal with uh it being the fourth inning and spencer being like 90 miles an hour which is crazy yeah. given what we've seen from in the minor leagues. Um, but it just, it just seems like, you know, I think they're concerned about the shoulder. Um, they know he hasn't, they know he doesn't have a ton of mileage on his arm um, and they want to be careful there. Um, so I actually think it's pretty smart. You know, it, it, it both, it both maximizes his strengths and allows them to manage his innings. Like they can go out and say, rather than, Hey, go give us, you know, five innings and two of them are bad where you're only throwing like 92 go throw two innings throwing 96 97 and it really it raises the level of your ball club i mean is it better to have five innings of spencer howard once every five days or is it better to have you know four innings of spencer howard a week but they're shut down innings so um i just like the idea of him coming out of the bullpen at least for now um and i know it's a little disappointing giving you know what his prospect status was and, and all of that. But I mean, you just have to do the best thing for the ball club. And I think the best thing for the ball club next year would be that. Um, so I, I just, I, I have this weird feeling that that's what they're kind of doing. And, you know, them still being linked to Odorizzi this late into the process. Um, they already have three other starters in Benny, um, Chase Anderson and Matt Moore, like Spencer seems like the obvious guy to do it. Um, and really, I think he's a, I think he'd be a massive weapon out of the bullpen. So, um, I think it'd be a, a fun to, fun to see. 
Yeah, I mean, out of all those guys, and, and who knows if, if someone else ends up in the bullpen, well, someone else would have to end up in the bullpen or, or um, you know, get options in the minor leagues or whatever out of Moore and, and Anderson and Velasquez, but I think Howard, his stuff clearly plays up the most um, out of any of them. And like you said, like, he, they're, they're worried about his health, and um, it makes sense. And, and, you know, it doesn't obviously doesn't rule out him being a starter 2022 and beyond. This has happened with – um, you know, like like Chris Sale came up in the majors and he was a, a really pitcher for two years. Like this is this is still a path to becoming a, a good major league starter. It, it is interesting to see how quickly um, people have turned on on Spencer Howard after one one season. Like it's he so had, crazy. He had COVID and you know got hurt. Like I don't I don't know. It's 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 crazy to me. And it's like um, you know I think I think everyone got so like you know freaked out because Sixto came up and was unbelievable and like why wasn't Spencer Howard unbelievable it's like well Sixto's probably a freak and like he's so good I mean he's he's great I mean from day one comes up unbelievable like Spencer's kind of doing what most rookie pitchers do right at least highly like highly talented rookie pitchers like they come up and they're not dominant right away I mean like there's just there's way more all right there's way, there's much more stats, research, whatever, of guys who come up and struggle versus guys that come up and dominate. Like there just is. So um, I'm with you. Like I, I can't, I can't stand the conversation around like giving up on players because like their first year wasn't great, especially in baseball. Right. Like, it's the hardest sport in the world. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't like, even a year. It was, it was what like six starts or whatever. Twenty five innings. Yeah, he did twenty five innings nothing. last year. Yeah. And he was actually, he was actually starting to look better in the. Right. Like that last Marlins start was a real shame because he was actually looking like he was finally breaking through a little bit. So, yeah. you know, just calm down. Everyone yeah. just calm down. Right. He'll be fine. He'll exactly. be fine. Um, on the subject of, of guys who have people have um, kind of been out on, uh, I want to talk, talk about Scott Kingery a little bit. Um, you know, I, I saw you tweet a, a couple of things the other day. He, he seems to have lost weight. Um, and mm-hmm. that's, uh, you said it, that's a good thing. I agree. That's a good thing. He, he didn't look, uh, quick uh, playing second base. He didn't, you know, he, he looked bad, you know, and, and he was pre- pretty highly touted defensively yeah. um, and obviously didn't swing the bat well. And, and he had COVID and all that, but uh, I guess what's your, what's your take on Kingery heading into, into 2021? Um, I'm, I'm, it's not like a, I think he's going to break out and be this unbelievable player or whatnot. I'm just, I'm just, in on him from the standpoint of I think he's going to be a good player this year. Um, I, I, I expect him to take the center field job and run with it. Um, and really the Phillies need that, you know, like I don't think Roman Quinn's an everyday center fielder. I think he's a, I think he's a good eighth, ninth inning speed option off the bench that can help you win a ball game late, especially, in, especially with the national league rules. Um, and then Hazley, I mean, they seem to hate Hazley. Um, he's a fourth outfielder. He, yeah. Like, yeah. His ceiling is that. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think Segura looks best at, at second base. Um, I actually thought he played well defensively there last year. I was surprised. Yeah, he was awesome. He was good. Um, so you know, between losing weight, I think losing weight is massive. He's back down to 185, which is where he should be playing at. Like, I don't know why I got so jacked last year. Like, he, he didn't really. It took away from his athleticism. Um, and I think the reason why I'm most in on him is the is the contact thing. You know, uh, like if you couldn't see. Like how are you supposed to hit a baseball? Um, so uh, I like the contacts thing. I like that you can see better. And really, I know there's a good amount of strikeouts there when he came back from the minor leagues at the end of the year, but I thought his at-bats were good. You know, I thought he was seeing pitches. I thought he was driving some balls. 
you know, he's getting a little bit unlucky um, as well. But I thought he was actually making solid contact when he came back up. So, you know, all that stuff and hopefully playing center field every day and uh, losing the weight. He just looks more fluid. Um, and I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not ready to say he's done. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought, um, you know, watching him in, in 2019 play center field, compared to Quinn and Hazley, I think he's the best defensive center fielder on the roster, yeah. um, which obviously, you know, having a, a solid defensive center fielder is important. And, and in 2019, he had a 788 OPS. Like he was, he was pretty good. I know a lot of that was like a two-month stretch where he was awesome. And then he... The Don Brown, the Don Brown stretch. Yeah. But still, like, I think people forget that so quickly like he was he played 100 what 120 130 games and and was had a good season um overall well, and well Kapler ruined him by moving him around that's what I was no, told please please um but like like last year like who knows how much COVID had to do with it who knows how much him getting jacked had to do with it like well it's not even COVID like he he got to he got to uh the second spring training like after everyone right Right. And then had to, and then had to rush, try to catch up. Like you got to get in routine yeah. as a baseball player. And he just, he just was never able to settle last year. Yeah. So I, like, I, I agree with you. Um, and it's like, they, that extension they gave him like six years, $24 million. And you get those three extra years of, of control. If you want them, like there's, even if he is the worst player in baseball, like that's not even a bad deal. So like people need to stop with, <laughs> with the oh, Kingery yeah. bus, like, come on, like, that's a good contract to give to pretty much any player, any, any top prospect. And I, I, I agree with you. I, I think he could be solid. And like, if he has a season remotely similar to what he did in 2019 and he plays solid center field and he's the worst hitter on the team, like that's, I don't, I don't know what more you can ask for. Like, well, I would hope he's not the worst hitter on the team. I hope he's a little bit better than that, but well, no, I, my, my, like, like saying, no, like, you know, if he, if he does that and everyone else is, better than him because you know you're oh, like the contract thing it's like he's barely even making any money when it comes right. down to exactly you know actual dollars and cents like well, it's making nothing it's not that much yeah. money it was yeah. still a good contract yeah. i don't care yeah. agreed um so you mentioned this earlier in um in the episode uh i, I want to talk about zach Eflin a little bit because you know last week he he said um, in his press conference that he sees himself as, you know, a, an ace level pitcher. Um, so, and you pretty much said the same thing earlier. So, so could you just speak a little bit to why you see that? And, and do you see that happening as soon as, as 2021, or do you think it'll be a, a couple more years before he reaches that? Um, I guess like the reason why I'm most in on Eflin this year, um, and it's also kind of, you know, what we do in spring training is we talk ourselves into every play on the roster. So we're trying yeah, to get to that sure. point, but I do think there is legitimate reason to be excited about F1 um, just from the standpoint of like, he struck out a ton of guys last year. I mean, he, he, his, his strikeouts per nine jumped by like, I think three last year. I mean, he, he was at like 7.7 something in 2019 and he jumped to like 10 yeah. plus last year. Um, and that was a small sample size. And, and I get that. Um, but we've seen Eflin be a good pitcher for, for good stretches. Then obviously he'll, he'll go back down and have like two weeks where he's just terrible and whatnot. And I just kind of trust him this year to have the, the, he'll mix in that, those like two straight complete games out of nowhere. And then I just, I just don't expect the dips, you know, like he'll have his bad starts, whatever, but I don't expect him to go through like a month lull where it's like, come on, Zach, like figure it out. 
just because I think his stuff is better now. I mean, he was up to 95 last year. Yeah, I so. mean, the thing with Eflin, like, I always think back to his first Major League start against the the Blue Jays in Toronto, and he just got absolutely lit up. Just yeah. like that dude was throwing, like, 91-mile-per-hour sinkers over the heart of the, of the plate. And now he's throwing, like you said, 95, and they're they're moving two feet. I mean, it's it's he is really a, a completely different pitcher now. Um, yeah, and he's he's working on his changeup a lot, which I think is good. And I've always – I just love the way that he's tunneled for, for, mm-hmm. throughout his career. And um, I just think, you know, he's only 27 this year, which yeah. it feels like he's been around forever. And I, I think he's a smart pitcher. I think he's a good pitcher. And I, I, I guess I just don't expect him to go on that month deep dive where it's just terrible and you're like, whoa, there's classic Eflin. And I just think he's a good, solid pitcher. And now he's striking guys out. His stuff is all played up better. And really, like a guy like Cotham, I think we'll get we'll get the most out of him. Yeah, definitely. So just a couple more quick questions. Uh, first of which, um, this is something that uh, co-host of the podcast, Ty Dobbert, asked me to ask you because uh, he said recently on an episode of High Hopes, you said that the Phillies should keep Jeff Mathis over Andrew Knapp. So if you could just speak a little bit to, to why and uh, you know, it'd be much appreciated. All right. Well, Ty, I know he loves he loves Nappy, and I get it. The guy works a great at bat. He, he, there's no doubting that works a great at bat. Um, and I do like the way he calls the ball game. But Jeff Mathis is a framing god. I mean, the guy the guy gets more called strikes than anyone in baseball, and like in a way less time. Um, he's the worst hitter in baseball by far. Like like literally. I'm not sure. Like he might be the worst hitter I've ever seen in Major League Baseball history. And like, if you look at the stats, <laughs> it's pretty insane. Yeah. And like, I watched Michael Martinez, and and like Mathis, and like, listen, I could definitely regret saying it um, because this is the the offseason that I don't have to physically watch Jeff Mathis. You know, that's definitely a big thing that'll factor in. But I just, I I've watched some some clips of him. Love the way that he frames. Love the way that he plays defense. And and pitchers tend to have a lower ERA picking to him than than most guys out there. So um, I'm in, in on Mathis. Sorry about Nappy. Jeff Mathis is my backup catcher in 2021. All right. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, just also- go just go look at the framing. <laughs> look at the framing. It's great framing. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, in all seriousness, though, like having a guy like Mathis, I think as your um, you know, you're because because they don't need if they have any COVID problems, like they don't need to uh, add anyone to the 40 man. So if he if he if he sticks around, I think that's a good guy to have. Uh, like, I don't think he makes the team, but um, I mean, they, they would be paying him one point eight million if he makes. Right. The team, right. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so last question um, before we wrap up college baseball back this week. Mm. Um, you know, I turned on the TV the other day and got to watch Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter both pitch. So my question to you, if you had the first overall pick in the 2021 draft, who do you take? Uh, I, there's a part of me watching those guys where I was like, wow, I wish the Phillies lost like a lot of games last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, I personally, they're so good. They're so good. I would personally take lighter just because like that fastball was disgusting yeah. the other day. Just jumping on guys um but really like i i couldn't love more i couldn't love either one more like right. they're they are so good um but i just i trust that fastball more and i like his curveball a little bit more 
Yeah. I mean, he's, he's also, I mean, you know, he, last year was his first year and he's only pitched like 20 innings, but he's also given up two hits. One was a bunt single. Like it's pretty ridiculous how, how, uh, how unhittable he's been. Well, and that's the thing. Like <clears throat> I was, I'm, I've been doing some like high school stuff, you know, mm. just draft stuff. Yeah. And it's like all like, this is how watching Zach, watching Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker a couple of years ago, like they were definitely flawed, like high school prospects. And then, boom, two years later, it's like their consensus number one, number two pick in the draft. So, like, if you have a good development staff, just take a freaking – take one of these guys that are, like, quote-unquote flawed and, right. and let them turn into the Jack Lighters, Kumar Rockers of the world. Like, like, uh, like obviously, McAble last year, I think, is kind of like that. But also, there's a guy in this year's draft, um, Chase Petty, who is, like, 100 miles an hour with, like, wipeout stuff. And but people are like, ah, I don't know. He's probably like a late first rounder, early second round pick. It's like if that guy gets <laughs> to Florida in two years, he's going to be a top ten pick in the draft. Like there's no doubt in my mind. So uh, it just it's honestly watching Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, and and now that I've kind of followed them from high school to this to where they are now, it just lends itself to the belief of just take talented high schoolers and develop them right. crazy concept. I know. Yeah. I mean, you got to believe like, that you can develop them, but yeah, well, and I, and I do now, like I, yeah. I, I, for the, for the first time since like 2005, I believe in the Phillies ability to uh, develop their players. Do you have a guy who you want? Who, do you have your guy yet or uh, still? So I've been out on Andrew Painter. I was in on him for a little bit, but he just like, his stuff doesn't pop to me. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's how I would explain the difference between him and Chase Petty is that like Andrew Painter's fastball is 97, but it's like Wheeler's 97 where it's like easy and doesn't, it, it doesn't zip, you know, it's like right. there and it's hard and all that. And it's good. Like I think Andrew Painter could be good, but like, I just think that I think Chase Petty is just, I think he's great. I think he's legitimately great. So uh, I have a couple guys. I in 13, they have a really good chance to get a good player. Right. Um, and there is a major part of me that wishes they lost more games just to, <laughs> to just to get up there to get closer. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's still a little early, but I'm definitely excited. Yeah. It's still what four months away. It's in June at some point, but you know, baseball season it's, it's, it's here pretty much. So uh, pretty exciting stuff. That'll do it for this episode of the Phillies nation podcast. Thanks again to Jack for coming on and uh, we'll talk to you or I'll talk to you next week with uh, some actual games having been played.